Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of a songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Hey, welcome into the podcast. Thank you once again for listening. If you are tuning in on the day that this publishes, it's April the 26th, 2023, although we tape in advance. Um, and it is just one day past the, the day that this new book that you're going to want to own and read many times uh, came out by our guest today. Before I introduce you, because this is a special show today, and I'm so happy to have our guest today. But I have to tell you, this is episode number 100. So this is a milestone for us. It's, Amazing. Uh, it's incredible. And we've got so many people to thank, uh, you especially, for uh, spreading the word and getting us around. We're pushing that 300,000 streams, download subscriptions, and it's all thanks to you. Thank you for spreading the word about that and liking and subscribing if you're listening on YouTube. I also got to thank Len Harvey Elgowski. Uh, he did traffic with me in Cincinnati afternoon drive, and he calls me out of the blue during the pandemic one day, and he goes, hey, Dave, would you be on my podcast? I said, Len, you got a podcast? He goes, yeah, it's called Len's Burning Bush, and it's a great podcast, so check it out if you can. Uh, I said, Len, I'll do your show if you tell me how to do a podcast, because I've always wanted to do it. And during pandemic, I was bored anyway, and so this thing was born out of that. We also want to thank Nancy Deccan, who's been a sponsor of the show and Discover Sooner, my good friend and mentor, Mark Allen Barnett and Mark Allen Barnett Tours, and our amazing guests over the last, well, since uh, January 2021. We've had people like Kent Blasey in the Country Hall of Fame, Country Songwriter Hall of Fame, uh, Jeannie Steely, who should be in the country. Hall of Fame. We're trying to get her in. Uh, songwriters like Chuck Jones and Will Nance and Dave Gibson and one of my favorite folk artists, Jamie Harris, Ace uh, Jack Williams, who's written with The Who and good friends with Kevin Costner, who's just in one of Kevin's movies, Win Varble, so many others. And um, and we're going to continue that in the next 100 episodes. So, And again, it's all thanks to you. Also, have to thank my lovely wife, Patty, for allowing me to turn our dining room into a radio studio and podcast studio. Uh, we couldn't do it without the dining room table, which has become part of our show. Show. Our guest today is Kevin Griffin. And Kevin, thank you for being on the show, coming up from uh, Franklin today. How I, are you? I came here for the coffee. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bad. I'm right? here. I mean, I made yeah. this journey through traffic and, and flares and, and, uh, and firefights all the way to get here for the coffee. And, and you know what? It's worth it. The, the podcast is just lanyap, as we say in Louisiana, lanyap. Lanyap. No. Lanyap just means gravy. Gravy. It's just extra. It's free. It's great. Lanyap. L-A-G-N-I-A-P-P-E. Lanyap. See, uh, you've, learned, learned you've learned something already. I have. <laughs> and, and you are from Louisiana. You're an LSU. A I'm an LSU boy. Yeah. Louisiana State University. I, yeah. I grew up formative years in Monroe, Louisiana, Monroe. and then uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana for, for quite a few years, and that's where Better Than Ezra formed. And then I mm-hmm. lived in New Orleans uh, after a brief stint in L.A. Mm-hmm. I, lived, I lived there for 15 years until uh, Hurricane Katrina. Oh, boy. And then uh, mm-hmm. I was lucky that, but still, it was time to move move on, and, uh, uh-huh. and uh, yeah. now, now I find myself here. That's in, cool. I want to find out how you what, what brought you to Nashville. We'll get to that. We'll oh get yeah, to all let's that do it. Your let's let's, not, let's not yeah spoil ourselves. My my only I've never been to New Orleans. My wife has a couple of times. I've always it's on the bucket list. Oh my God, you got to go. Uh, I love jazz. I started in jazz right uh. now, way back when. Uh, but uh, the one connection I did have is uh, I grew up just. Outside of Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, west side of Cleveland, and just around the corner from me on the same street was this great football player. Went to Michigan State after Elyria High School, and the next thing I heard of him, he was coaching the LSU Tigers. It was Les Miles. Remember Les him? Miles? Yeah, crazy Les. Neighbor, I love him. Yeah, Les is the best. And you know what? There's another connection. My father was born in Cleveland. Really? Ohio, CC. There it is. How about that? We have a connection. How about that? We do. I knew yeah. it. I could tell when I first met you. Oh, yeah. Well, let's tell you about Kevin Griffin. I, w- I want to tell you about him. He's, uh, he's absolutely amazing. A singer, songwriter, record producer, author now, uh, publisher. The guy does it all. Uh, helped us start the Pilgrimage Fest here in Franklin, which we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. 
His songs have been written, have been recorded by Dirks Bentley, The Record Company, Moon Taxi, Bare Naked Ladies, Howie Day, Blondie, Chase Wright, Meatloaf. Are you kidding me? Meatloaf. Yeah, man. The first, that was the first co-write I ever had was Meatloaf. That, oh, that's a whole podcast are right you, there. Right. No doubt. No doubt about it. And oh, yeah. And he kind of briefly mentioned it, but he was in this band called Better Than Ezra. Man, I loved this song when it came out. It was like number one for like, what, seven weeks? Dave, it's a classic. It's a classic. That bass line. Oh, oh yeah. This is a good driving card. Crank this up, oh, man. Oh, my God. Ooh, I know you this know is this a song. Bl- this type of song is a blueprint for uh, for 90s alternative rock. Oh, no doubt. Sugarland. Our guest wrote this. And the hits keep coming. You and me, baby, we're stuck like blue. I love this song from the first time I heard it. Howie Day. Great story writing that song. Mm-hmm. Out of the doubt that fills my mind. Somehow find you and I collide. When you feel the world is crashing all around your feet, come running headlong. Into my arms, breathless. I'll never judge you. I can only love you. Come now, running along into my arms. Some are saying right now, who is that guy singing the Taylor Swift song? I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. People, people, people think because that song was never released as a single, uh, and people think that uh, that's a Taylor Swift song. I'm yeah, fine with that. Yeah, you guys never released it as a single. Wow. We never released it. You know, oh. it's it like so often when you're doing an album, mm-hmm. you have a collection of songs, and then there is, oh, I hear a cat. Yeah. I By the way, cat. I forgot to tell you, it's a Juliet world. We just live in it. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is cat, do cats bother you? No, not <laughs> okay, at all. Good, I'm, good. I'm, a, I'm, very a, I'm an animal person. <laughs> good. good. Um, but often when you write an album, you know, there's always the last song that was written, you know, right before, you know, you go into the recording studio. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and a lot of times it doesn't get uh, its its uh, its fair share of adulation mm-hmm. or or playing it live to get feedback on if people like it. We knew we liked the song "Breathless," mm-hmm. uh, but it was brand new, and we just ended up like, "Well, I think we like this. Let's put it on the album." But we put it at, down to track twelve, oh, okay, and promptly forgot about it. We didn't play it live. Forgot about it until mm-hmm. uh, Taylor Swift uh, had her people call up and said. Hey, she'd like to perform this at what what would become the still to this day the most wa- widely watched highly uh, w- widely watched televised concert uh, ever. Absolutely. It was the Hope for Haiti telethon for Haiti in tele- 2011 that wow. George Clooney and other luminaries put together, mm. and uh, it was a, it was great exposure for the song. Needless to say, we do that song now live. Mm, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll bet. You know, I was thinking about good when I first heard it. And you always know, talk about it. one of the funniest things I love is the misheard lyrics that people always talk oh about. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I first heard that song, and to me, it was rock on. And then it was rock on. I would be singing in the car. Rock it was on. supposed to be a lyric. And <laughs> uh, I wrote the song, and it was really an exercise in, in us using uh, the same four chords and just using dynamics to do the transitions between the songs. And, cool. and, and then in the 90s, the way we did dynamics was at, you know hitting a distortion pedal. Ah, yeah. And uh, but but I wrote this song. I was like, "This is pretty good. We should play it tonight." And we were playing at this place called W. C. Don's in Jackson, Mississippi. It was a it was a famous old club. Uh, it was a double wide trailer, really, and really. <laughs> wow. And there was a uh, I think there was uh, some type of halfway house. I'm not sure if it was for people. They were re- rehabilitating. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure quite what from. Um, but they they weren't all there. The people who worked at this place, W.C. Don's, and I think W.C. Don, he got his uh, workforce for cheap because huh. he hired from the, the little institution next door. <laughs> Needless to say, we debuted uh, good uh, the day after it was written, and I hadn't finished the lyrics, but that part, the wah-ah thing, was supposed to wah-ah. be a lyric, mm-hmm. but in lieu of having lyrics, I just did wah-ah, <laughs> and, uh, and it, that became the hook, and here I am over 30 years later, you know, that's still one of the biggest songs. That's sure. a song that Better Than Ezra will be known for. Yeah. But, it, but it also kind of became the DNA for 
my songwriting because there's a lot of. Yeah. I mean, you listen to the Stuck Like Lou. Stuck, played, I was just going to say you go from wah uh-uh, Stuck uh-uh, Like Lou. Uh-uh, yeah. No, so I mean, so yeah. never underestimate this sound, uh, the power of a non-word. And mm. if, if in doubt, for a great lyric, just make a silly noise. And... That is and, a great song. Oh, tip. Well, yeah. look, and yeah. also, you know, and the, the best arbiter of whether a song is good or not are toddlers. Mm. So if you play a song on your guitar for a, a child, if they uh-huh. react to it, then you know you're cooking with with gas. You have twins, don't you? I do. 14-year-old yeah. twin boys. Wow. I was at their lacrosse game yesterday. And yeah? I got them off to school today. Good, good. Oh, yeah. And married uh, in January of last year. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Well, no. And, well, in last year, May and June, we got married twice. We got twice. married... Uh, we got married May 19th in Positano, Italy, Ooh. which was amazing. Uh, I mean, it was Italy. storybook. And mm. uh, and then two weeks later, we had to make it legal because when you get married in Italy, it's not legal in the States. Really? Well, you can go there six weeks before and do these, jump through a lot of hoops to make it legal. We were like, you know what? This is going to be just eight close friends in Positano. And then uh, two weeks later, we did it down in uh, the Panhandle of Florida, Watercolor, oh, that's Florida. Nice. And we had 150 people, and it was amazing. So, yes, I'm a newlywed, mm. but, but have uh, 14-year-old twins uh, and uh, from a prior marriage. And an old my oldest son is 23. So 23? Yeah, what? so I have all boys. Does he do music? Any of them do music? He does a little music. He, little does. Music. he does. Yeah. yeah. How did you get interested in music? Was it always there for you? It, it was always there. I mean, mm-hmm. from my earliest memories, it is what just lit me up. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a, in a house that uh, where Janis Joplin and Joe Cocker and the Beatles <sighs> were, and Elvis was playing. Unreal. And, um, and then my father got my brother and I, when I was around... Six years old, my dad got a stereo with a turntable for us, mm. and it had and he and he was a music fan, but he wasn't an aficionado. Yeah. He just somebody steered him in the right direction because he came home with five albums, and they were Led Zeppelin, Houses <laughs> of the Holy, Wow, Stevie Wonder, Intervisions, Great, uh, Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Uh, Sly and the Family Stone. It's the it's the white cover, and he's in black leather doing the karate kick. <laughs> and then the fifth one was Grand Funk Grand oh. Funk Railroad. Were an American band with oh the original. God. Open it up, and they're all naked. Oh, they're the all naked. Bales yeah, yeah and the I gold, had that. And, and yeah. the gold album. Yeah, that's gold, right. It's a, well, produced it's a, by Todd Rundgren. Uh, who was I've always been a big Todd. Did Rundgren produced that. He produced. You know that who one. else he produced? Uh, Meatloaf. Meatloaf. That's right. Bad out of hell. Nobody wanted to produce that record, but Todd did. Well, yeah. you know what? Yeah. Leave it to Todd. You know, because it was so out of the box. But but so the, from a very early age, music just captivated me, and mm-hmm. I was um, just. I mean, the, the Goodbye Yellowbrook Road album. I just remember just listening over oh, and too. over. Re- op- had it open, looking at the lyrics. And, me and, too. And the mm-hmm. gatefold was all the. It was the illustrations and the lyrics. And, Still have it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah. And um, and it's, it's timeless. And I was just able to go see those last shows he did at Dodger Stadium. I was there the second to last night, uh, front row. And um, so from a very early age, music spoke to me. I think in mm-hmm. second grade, I played my first show. I did played, you really? I played uh, It's a Small World After All. Uh, on, the, on the classical guitar, it was, a, it was uh, using Mel Bay's easy guitar chords uh, version of it. Small world after all. You know, that explains a lot. Because you write these songs that just stick in your head. Well, look, look, and man. You do. And and that song right there, if you ever go to Disney World, you're singing the rest of the day. You're singing I, I, Small I, World. Look, listen. So, <laughs> let's knock on wood. When this podcast comes out, not only will the, the book have been out a day, but also I will, I will tell you, I will... I'll lay a bet right now. We'll have, I'll have a top ten song called uh, "Shoot Tequila" by That's this band called Tiger Lily Gold, and that song, the hookiest part is I'm taking uh, the nursery rhyme: one potato, two potato, three potato, four, five potato, six potato, seven potato more. Wow. And in the song it goes one tequila, two tequila, three tequila, four. If I had some sense, I would have stopped at four. You know, <laughs> and it's you know, and it's it's just in it, its public domain, by the way. Oh my, yeah, well, it has to be. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. But really. Just, well, you said play it for a kid, you know, oh play God, a child. And, three rhymes. Yeah. All the time in a song, like, okay, we've got a chorus. How can we, how can we, where's our super chorus? 
swears right. are just undeniable, bash you over the head. And the woe-ohs, oh. uh, all that, that's kind of been done, that, though they still work. You know, sometimes you just look for something, what is something? And then I just scroll through my member back. I'm, I'm like Red Rover, Red Rover. You know, mm. I, I just do, I just go through children. I just do that, you know. Wow. And you stumble upon something that's so stupid. If it's stupid and it scares you and you say, oh, there's no way we can do that, <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> look at achy, breaky heart. That's what oh my I have God. to say. You know? Right? Interesting. That's another good tip right there for songwriters. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Just, you know, um, there is, there is genius in being able to distill a song and and get rid of the superfluous parts and just cut away all the fat because, because the greatest songs, um, are deceptively easy. And and the the master of that for, in my world was, was Tom Petty. Oh God! You know, yes, and just just simple, simple, just just a straightforward lyric, straightforward chords, and I always endeavor to do that, just mm. to just to make it simple. And it's funny, you know, I wrote, I did a, I did a thing recently with a song with a uh, a charity event where I auctioned myself off, and I and you and you got a three hour songwriting session with me. Oh, and that's it, cool. it ended up being five hours. Wow! And it, and the the person that bid for it and won, and it was for High Hopes Developmental Center. Um, that does great work down in Franklin was this woman and she wanted me to write with her, her son who's a junior in high school. And so we got together and he played this song for me. It was all music, uh, just instrumental, but it was really nice finger pick guitar part. Mm-hmm. And he, and he played it and I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, that's, that's a cool verse part. Oh, that's a good chorus part. Oh, well, there's another verse part. Well, there's another chorus part. And there was like nine parts to the song, you know, oh, and, and, and instantly I was like, oh my God, this is exactly how you wrote songs. You didn't know when to stop. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we did was like, hey, this is awesome. But I think those two parts are the best, are the most compelling parts. Let's just concentrate on those because the listener, you can't throw too much. Look, there are exceptions, Rush, mm-hmm. you know, you know, bands that just have these epics or meatloaf yeah. for that matter, you or, know, meatloaf, yeah. or prog rock bands, you know, muso type things. But for the most part, if you're writing pop or country or anything and look, pop country, it's all the same thing. It's just how to change the production. We talk about that so much, Oh yeah, you know, and, and, and that's one of the things I wanted to, to if, if you look at the people that have recorded your songs over the years, we always say <clears throat> people go, people go, Oh, you're from Nashville, so you must be country. Like, no, this is Music City, folks. Oh, yeah, it's Music City. It's more than just that. And I always, I hate genres. And I've said this on this podcast a million times. I think you write the best. Tell me if I'm wrong. You oh, yeah. write the best song, it's going to find a home, right? It's going to, yeah, a- absolutely. And uh, just write a great song. Right. And then, look, I can, I can just go and tell you so many songs that were written as a pop song. Yeah. It, you know, for whatever reason, it did get cut. And they just changed some production yeah. a little bit. They added. Look, it sounds like a cliche, but they added a banjo and a few little things here and there, and it became a look. Country. The song I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. of is um, "Holy," um, "High on Loving You," which was a massive hit for Florida Georgia Line. Oh, yeah. That song was written by uh, by Busby and I think Nate Seifert. Mm. If I get, if I'm correct, I probably got that wrong. Yeah. Do your due, due diligence on Google. Um, <laughs> but that was pitched for six months um, really? in, in L.A. Wow. To, and it almost got cut. And then they you know, they went to, and got Florida Georgia Line. So, yes, it's all just just write a great song and mm-hmm. then figure out. Especially now the lines are so blurred um, between country and pop. And like Maren Morris came oh, around. Yeah. Yeah. It's pop music. Who worked with Busby a lot. And pop know. is just popular. Yeah, absolutely. Popular. We want to write popular songs. Yeah, you know, like, for instance, uh, and one of the things I didn't say, uh, songs that you've written, um, uh, over 30 million sold, records sold, Yeah, uh, on songs that you've written, um, all these top 40 hits that you've written, a billion streams? Yeah. A, a B, billion. A billion streams. What's and crazy, look, that, I'm so proud of that, nuts. but but look, there's, you know, there's writers like Ryan Tedder and stuff like that who mm-hmm. have one song that have billions yeah. of streams, but hey, man. Like hey. Those are those are those rare, those, you know. Those are those are unicorns. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, uh, let's talk about this book because uh, yeah. I, I started reading it the other day. I didn't realize um, I had an advanced copy, but I started reading, and it's one of those ones that you, you pick up and you don't want to put down. And um, it, it's an a, amazing book. It's called The Greatest Song, just out yesterday. Spark creativity, ignite your career, and transform your life. So I get there the feeling go. that it's not just, although it's a that's parable a, that's a about tall, it. That's a tall order. It is, isn't it? It's <laughs> transform my life. Show me how you do it. <laughs> so it's a parable. It's a it's a fictional character, but he's a songwriter. But I have yep. a feeling that it's a lot more than songwriting, isn't it? 
It is. It is. You know, I started doing about six years ago. I started doing, I got to ask, they say that nothing good happens in a bar after 2 a.m. <laughs> certainly, that. certainly in New Orleans during Mardi Gras, but I ran <laughs> one time. It's about six years ago. I, I had ridden in, a, in the Mardi Gras uh, parade, Hermes parade. And afterwards, we, we stopped at this place called FNM Patio Bar in uptown New Orleans. It was almost 3 a.m. Mm. And because we wanted to get some late night jambalaya. Ooh. And, uh, and we did that. And I ran into a friend, a guy named Brady Wood. And, and he was in uh, he was in New Orleans uh, with, their, with a big group in, uh, in town with their wives. Uh, it's a group called YPO. It's a it's a nationwide organization of entrepreneurs and stuff. And nice. and they had done a, they had had Malcolm Gladwell who wrote Tipping Point and Blink and all those amazing books uh, speak to them in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And he said, Hey man, would you ever want to speak to our group? You know, you've been in music. I'm sure there's something you can tell us that's interesting. And I was like, I'm never one to shy from a challenge. I was like, yes. <laughs> I'll do it. You know, several months later, it was two weeks away from the speech. And I was like, I got to think of something to talk about. So, I, <laughs> so, and I knew, look, this was, this was a room full of really successful men and women who would not tolerate BS. You know, so I, I couldn't just get up there and just wing it. And, and wing it. Yeah. So I started looking at what I do. Like, what do I do? What are the things that I do in my business and, and throughout my career, through through the successes and, and the failures and the ups and downs and the twists and turns that we all have in this crazy, in life, in business, but especially in the music business. And I realized like, wow, there are, there are these things I've I started doing. And, and I realized there are like these five tools, these five daily practices. And, and I, I endeavor to do. So I did a speech where I talked about those and the, the, the story arc of my career from the beginning through getting dropped and, and, and doing my first co-write and all these things. And it became, it was a really successful speech. And so I started doing these for different YPO groups around the country and, and other countries. And then I uh, started doing uh, corporate speaking events about this. And, nice. and then, mm-hmm. so about four years ago, I was like, I want to turn this into a book. And what I realized is that it wasn't just these things... Uh, weren't just for my business, but it was also stuff that had helped me in my life and my relationship. And, um, and so I started, I, but I struggled to like, I don't want to write a book. That's just a, a how to manual. And, you know, I mm-hmm. like, I like fiction. Yeah. I, li- I like narratives cause I'm a songwriter. I like stories. And I, and then one me day too. when I was running, I was like, Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be about a guy, a, a journeyman, you know, a songwriter. And, um, and it's and I, and when I got the title, the greatest song, um, that's when I knew that uh, I, I knew I knew the book I, that the whole thing laid out before me. It wow. just it revealed itself, and so I started writing this book about uh, a fictional writer. But there's 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 you know you can't help you write. There's what, some truth in it. You yeah. write what you know. Yeah. Uh, named Jake Stark, uh, who was kind of lost his spark. <laughs> who lost his spark? Yeah. Um, you know, we we meet Jake when uh, he gets a bit of a you know a humble pie, mm. and uh, he gets dropped from his longtime publisher. And, and you know, it's so. You know, it's a story that is really cool when you read it. He walks into uh, Oceanway Studios, which is an amazing studio on Music Row here in Nashville. It's it's really an old church, right? Amazing, yeah. And you walk us through it, and he's saying he's thinking he's going to write with this huge, uh, the hot new band, hot new band. You know, the Colton Brothers are supposed to be they're the big guys. So he thinks he's going to write with them, right? And then he gets in, meets his publisher, <laughs> and he he goes, "No, nah, there's this other band. Uh, they're bluegrass." He goes, "Oh, great!" Yeah, yeah. His and then it gets worse. Right? The day gets worse and worse <laughs> as he realizes that he's been dropped from his uh, publisher. He's not writing with the Cold no. Brothers. He's not even writing with the bluegrass. No. He's he's just being giving his walking papers, uh, you know, with love, with love. And then yeah. he gets mistaken for a a runner by you the talk singer. about the Nashville hug with the Nashville the Nashville hug, hug. <laughs> or the, there's the Nashville no when you're also in a song writing session when you have an idea a lyric and you and you keep saying it over yeah. and over again and no one's reacting that's, that's right the Nashville that's the it happens all the time in writing sessions speaking of and, and like and you want to you want to think that you're uh, cool enough to know when you're getting the Nashville no but every <laughs> but but never make no mistake everybody in life has a blind spot and what oh, is yeah. a blind spot it's where you're clueless about what you don't get you know, and it can be maybe the clothes you wear, yeah, maybe the, some something you do. And and I was uh, I was in a songwriting session with James Slater. James is a very successful songwriter, and and this artist, I think his name is Andrew Bell. And we were writing, and I had this lyric that I just kept, you know, you know, five minutes would go by, I'd say, blah, 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 blah. I'd say it again. You maybe know. they didn't hear you. You know, yeah. maybe they didn't hear me. Maybe they didn't hear me. And then James looked at me, and he he mouthed, "Let it go." Let it go. <laughs> 
And then I was like, oh my God, I was that guy in the session. Who's that guy? I wasn't catching the hint. I was getting the Nashville no, and I was too boneheaded to know. You know, that that is so interesting that you say that because it it does. It happens in songwriting. Yeah, it happens. It, it never, you know, you just always have to say, at any point, I can be uh, have that blind spot and not know right. that I'm getting Nashville no. But, but uh, go back to Jake in the book, but he, um, he uh, he he gets let go from his publisher. Uh, gets kind of embarrassed, and his ego gets bruised. And and yeah. in, the, in the same week, he meets this guy. Um, he 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 runs into a friend uh, who invites him to lunch or dinner, rather. Um, a guy who never had success, but suddenly is crushing it when he had never had hits. Wow! And uh, he meets with he meets with Jake and says, "Look, uh, you know, I'm I'm over at that new publishing house called the Row, and." Um, and we find out in short order that it was this. It's the it was the subject of a lot of talk and speculation. A an enigmatic twenty eight year old billionaire named Sir Daniel Smith Daniels. Sir Daniel, uh, which which was a very me a, a wink and a nudge to a Spinal Tap, um, <laughs> who started this uh, this publishing house. And it's very it's a boutique publishing house with a very small group of writers, and they're crushing it. Yeah. And in the same week as being let go. Uh, Jake, our protagonist, finds out that this guy wants to meet with him, wow. and and, uh, and that starts our story. And and uh, basically, uh, Sir Daniel says, "Look, um, we find out there's a big connection between the two, and and Sir Daniel would like him to be part of the row, provided he d- he writes with these five different writers who illustrate these five principles or, or the method uh, right? of is the this, method. Is this the, is yeah, it, is and, this and the, the five keys yeah, that you yeah, talked yeah, about? Yeah, in yeah. yeah. And, and the daily practices. And, wow. uh, and we find out, um, and at the beginning we realize that, you know, just like all of us, we think we have that, that one great song. And it's that one great idea, that thing we haven't Absolutely. done for Jake Starks. It's the greatest song. I just know he just knows that he has that song in him. And yeah. at the end of that first breakfast meeting, Sir Daniel says, I promise if you follow these, this method and you, you go through this journey with me, you'll write the greatest song. And that's the uh, setup for the book. And, 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 he does, and, yeah. and, 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 it, and it, it, it turned into something a lot bigger than uh, I intended because when I, when I decided to write the book, you know, I've, I've, I'm a voracious reader. I'm, and I'm also an, uh, a, a, a literature snob because I, I graduated in, in English and I, I read a lot. I read highbrow stuff and then I read trash as well. You know what I mean? You would love my wife, Patty. Oh, so she's the same way? An English teacher, uh, Shakespeare stuff. Oh, right? well, there you go. When I love all that stuff and then I'll, I'll you know, I'll get my Nicholas Sparks on, um, but I had a yeah. very, I, I had a very low bar. Look, look, I'd love to be successful as Nicholas Sparks writing, but but I had right. a very low bar because I was reading these books like Who Moved My Cheese and Rich yeah. Dad Poor Dad and The Go Giver and all these, and those books have been were massive. And when I read them, I was like, "This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> this is a terrible plot and terrible writing." And then I was like, "I can do this. Can do I it. can do that. This is terrible." So. Um, but it turned into something where I really put my heart into it, and it hits. It has an emotional impact, and really, at the end of the chapters where they're writing the song and they're illustrating these strat- these uh, these methods are, uh, of for work and for life, there's the five rules of creative collaboration, the five rules of uh, of changing your attitude. And um, one of them I do remember from looking ahead was oh, yeah. when you're in a collaboration, when you're in a co-write. And we talk a lot about co-writing. I mm-hmm. mean, did a whole show on co-writing. Um, is uh, leave the ego behind. The ego is not your amigo. I will, oh, yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and that's illustrated by there's there's a guy named Shane Sawyer. <laughs> he is he is the uh, Sam Elliott of uh, of Nashville. I heard you do uh, impressions. He, that's I, great. I do, and uh, and he says, Jake, my ego is not my amigo. <laughs> And, uh, Sounds something like a stranger would say. You and know? check this out. I've done. There's also yesterday the audio book came out, and I'm yeah. doing all the voices. Are you? I'm, I'm doing the voice of Daniel Smith Daniels. Oh my god, Dave! Precisely the reason we're here today is to dive deep into the craft of songwriting. Oh my, that's fantastic! <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, so that's, so 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 you can either you can listen to it and have a why a not laugh do both? At my expense. Get, get both. Do both. Here's the book and. And burn it in your brain. The greatest song. You're going to want to read it a few times. Spark creativity, ignite your career, and transform your life. Now, you, uh, you, you've got some songs. 
Uh, yes, I do. That that the book spawned. Yeah, and yes, let, let's play one, and maybe you can tell us about Perilous uh, a little so, bit. In the play. So the first writing session is that Jake um, goes into is with the hottest um, pop uh, writer producer uh, in the world at the time. His name is Brit Kanuka, and he's named Brit Kanuka. Uh, you do and, him too, and he's from Barbados in, uh. in France, and I do his voice, <laughs> and uh, in the audiobook. and. Um, and they get together with a writer named Misha, and they write this song called Perilous. In the in the book, it's cut by um, is it? I think it's cut by Dua Lipa. Uh, and this oh. was this was a song in the real world. It was written by me, um, uh, David Mescon, and Claire uh, Guerrero, and um, it's called Perilous. Right. And it goes a little something like this. There you go. Our guest is Kevin Griffin. It actually wasn't Claire. It was Kendall Brower that wrote this with us. Oh, okay. No, it does sound like I can hear Dua Lipa. I don't even want to fight it. Look past your warning signs. Very good. This is from the book. Uh, from the book. It just came out yesterday. The greatest song. And our guest is the author, uh, Kevin Griffin. And it's so good to be here. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection. Connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. Well, that's a song from the book, The, uh, the Greatest Song. Now, these songs... Um, they're going to be widely available out there. Oh uh, yes, okay. so they're on the audiobook mm-hmm. uh, that you'll be able to hear, and then there's also a QR code with the book. Um, oh good, and then on my site and on the Brown Book site that you can just scan with your phone and mm-hmm. go to a Spotify playlist it, and hear the and hear the songs. And and it's it's actually pretty unique to have a book where songs are written and uh, there's actual songs in the real world. It is. Yeah. I remember way back in the day you'd have those little. <laughs> little final thin things that would come oh my up God. and you could take them off and like put them on cream, your cream magazine or yeah, yeah, a parade that? or something like that. They're good for like one play. Oh my God. Yeah. Those, yeah. Or the back of a cereal box. Uh, yes, that's right. They did some yeah. of those too. What an infectious melody there. And it, you know, the, that little... Very eight, Camila Cabildo uh, kind of... Yeah. Vibe. Those eight notes. It's just that great salsa and, vibe. Yeah. Just fantastic. Yeah, Who's yeah. that singing it? Uh, That's Kendall Brower. That's so, Kendall Brower. so, it's, so credit where credit is due. Uh, it's Kendall, David Mescon, and okay. myself. Good, 
Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's singing. Produced she's here singing. in Nashville? Or? Produced here in Nashville. Actually, mm-hmm. in East Nashville. East Nasty is where that song was produced, and we had a, a blast doing it. And those guys, the fun thing is I, was, I pitched them the idea. I was like, look, I've got this book, and kind of told them the story mm-hmm. about there's these songs written. Um, let's put it on the audiobook, but then let's also just pitch it as a regular song. And Why go, not? And go for syncs and yeah. you know syncs being synchronization. Yeah. As, as, We've as, talked as, a lot it, about that, and uh, and because that's where you know you make um, still can make uh, do well financially with a song mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know songwriting royalties in the streaming world, which are still very uh, non-existent. That is the uh, the trendy word in songwriting today. Everyone wants to talk about sync. Seems like everybody's writing for sync today. Well, sync, well, sync, you, sync. you have to because, look, there's starting to be some parody happening uh, with songwriting, uh, but uh, still to this day, but certainly in the past, um, the songwriting royalties that the streamers oh, yeah. uh, pay is is criminally low. Oh, is. And look, and... and and I gotta say, I mean, we're gonna do a, a, a podcast about you that should someday. you should do. I've, I've um, got a lawyer friend that uh, who does music law, and we're gonna bring him in. And we're gonna it, talk. It's it would be a good thing to do, <clears throat> but 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 in just the the Cliff Notes version, you know, when the the last uh, copyright law that was written was in 1972, digital mm-hmm. didn't exist. It, yeah, it, it was, was in a thought. It, it, yeah. was a, it was science fiction. <clears throat> so um, so nothing addressed how to pay songwriters um, digitally for streaming and stuff. Now. Physical albums that was addressed, you know, and mm-hmm. songwriters got their due. Um, so, yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. mechanicals. And, mm-hmm. uh, but recently, the past few years ago, the, the MMA Music Modernization Act was was a bipartisan bill uh, that was signed that started to address and, and, and raise the, the, the statutory rate that, that the Spotify's, the Apple Music's have to pay songwriters. It's still crazy low compared to what the master gets, mm-hmm. but at least it's a step in the right direction. And, and I'm, 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 I'm an eternal optimist about that kind of stuff. You know, I... I, I was able to see in the nineties. I was I was part of the the heyday of the old industry with physical albums, CDs, cassettes being sold, and, and and did well on that. Then I saw Sean Fanning and Napster come along, and everyone you know started ringing the the the, the death bell of uh, yeah. the music industry. But then I saw that you know recover out of that with subscription and and, and down, paying for downloads, mm-hmm. and announce and streaming, and it'll 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 get right. Uh, and, and Double-edged sword. Yeah, you know, there's really so is. many new opportunities mm-hmm. now for artists. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you can release a song, um, you know, and uh, maybe you're not getting a lot of streams, but you're getting notoriety. Well, what and, you're getting, but, but, but there's so many artists. I work with a few artists who are in their early 20s, and mm-hmm. they put their music out themselves. They, yeah. they, they, they upload it through DistroKid, which is a, a, a DistroKid yeah. or TuneCore yeah. to get your songs up there. Yeah. And they're making, there's one kid, he put out an EP, and the songs just took off on TikTok. Wow. He gets straight from DistroKid 35 to 40K a month. A month? He has, he's crushing it. Unreal. So, so while there's challenges on one side, there's all this opportunity on the other. Yeah, there is. Yeah. It really is. I'm going to say, write the best song, you know. If you can't get somebody to record it, record it yourself. Record it yourself and put yeah. it out. And, and, and put just, it out there. There's so many tools out there, you know, and that's kind of what I talk about in the book as well. There's there's just so many tools out there uh, for success, and and often we just say, ah, oh, I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to do that. But if you're if you know, hustle is is the where the rubber hits the road in, yep. in the music industry and in life is getting out there and hustling, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and I'm, and hu- when I say somebody's a hustler, that's my highest praise, mm-hmm. you know? And you just gotta always just be more irons in the fire and just in working and, and using the tools that are available to you. And one tool, and you talk about yeah. it in the book is, um, and we call this, the, the songwriter connection because yeah. it really is about networking and getting out For there, sure. being a good hang, meeting a lot of people, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's part of one of, one of the, uh, one of the practices is, uh, I call it filling the well and it's really just, um, it's continuing education. And I, and mm-hmm. I think of, I think of creativity as residing in this kind of finite well within us, you know, it's inspiration throughout our lives. And when we're young, uh, you know, all the, it's just this, it, it's a tsunami of inspiration, your family life your, with your siblings, the first music you listen to, the music, the school, and all those formative things, and it goes into you. and And a lot of songwriters draw off that initially, yeah. um, and that's why those first albums are so great. Yeah, and then a lot of songwriters because they've just, had their whole life to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then 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 from that point on, though, it can't be a passive thing, Mm-mm. you know, because all those new experiences aren't happening as much. So it has to be something with intention, and you got to go. Over, 
you you have to go out and and seek inspiration and and so that's about filling the wells about going out and continuing to expose yourself to new music and for me like it's uh it's always listening to new music on spotify or going down that rabbit hole on youtube you know listening to new music friday um you know if i I wasn't if i wasn't constantly exposing myself and being inspired by new music Mm -hmm. you know i would be sitting down with a you know a new songwriter and i would be playing uh i'd be playing good you know you know i'd be playing a song that sounded dated to them you know and When you listen to when you listen to new music, and we're song, this is a songwriting podcast. You, it's by the process of osmosis. You you soak up production techniques, new chord progressions, new melody ideas. Mm-hmm. But it's, so that's the creative side. But also there's the business side, and it's and it's knowing the it's knowing the business of your business. And you know, there's no shortage of podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, books. Everybody's got one. Um, uh, trade journals, like in so you know, you you got to know if you're out there in the in the songwriting game, who are the top people? What yeah. who are? Give me give me two artists in the top ten in country right now. If you're a country writer, right. top ten in pop, and then if you know that, okay, then click on those three little dots on Spotify and, and look who wrote it. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. You know that writer? You know that producer? That so there's this artist that you wish you could get to, and you and one of your co-writers that you work with all the time has been riding with them. Then you call them up, hey. you know, or you, because you're looking at, you know, uh, music connection or uh, music row magazine or billboard, you know, that that A&R guy left Warner's and now he's at Sony where you never got any action. And you call him up and say, Hey man, can I work with so-and-so artists? So it's, it's knowing that people who can connect the dots in this business are the ones who can t- consistently win. You know, but the only so way cool. you can do mm-hmm. that is you, is you got to know it, how can you compete if you don't know what you're competing against. You know, exactly. So right. it's um, got to know so, where the bar is. You know, and it's also it. So there's that. There's I talk about embracing the success of your competition. You know, you know we all know those writers who won't listen to all oh, the new music on the radio sucks. It's just all that pop stuff. Yeah, you know, and can't set uh, ego is something I talk about a lot. You know, setting the ego inside and saying. Wow, that's a really good song. I'm jealous that it's so huge, but it's really good. And mm-hmm. and 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 then decon- often deconstructing a hit, doing reverse engineering. Like, what are the? Why, why do I like the song? Right. You know, take the beat, take the music, take the melody, and then somewhere while you're doing that, while you're, while you're looking at the industry or you're looking at you're deconstructing a song, suddenly a song comes out of that. You're mm-hmm. like, what are they doing? What are the chords? Are they? Oh my God. Oh, I like those chords. like that progression. Oh yeah. Didn't Look, think I, about that. I, I get song <laughs> ideas all the time by listening to songs on the radio. You know, really? I sing new songs on, on top of them all the time. Some, some, some songwriters do it to a fault. It gets really scary. They'll, yeah. they'll listen to a hit and they're, and they're, and they overtly just say, okay, I'm going to just change this note right here. But <laughs> that's a world that I don't really tread in. Cause the good you, ones you, borrow, right? You the can, great get, ones. Yeah. You, yeah. Get, you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but yeah, so it is, it's, it's about always re-inspiring yourself. And again, it has to be an overt thing is, is I've been doing this. I'm in my fifties. I've been doing this for 35 years you know Mm -hmm. and luckily you know look I'll be going to write after this I'm going to go write with uh, an artist she's 21 years old she's just been signed to Sony and I I can't you know, I I cannot I can't bring ideas that I brought to a songwriting session in 2002. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so It'd the way I'm new. able to do yeah. that is just to continue to to be a sponge, soak up, continue to be inspired. But you got to go out and seek it, and that's one of the things I talk about in the book. How, how are practical ways to do that, and steps, five steps to do that. The method. The method. Yeah, I can't wait to dig back into this book. Oh yeah, uh, I was hooked already. Let's play another song uh, from the uh, from the from the book. Uh, maybe you can tell us about this one. Yeah, so so one of the things um, that that our protagonist Jake uh, Stark learns is is about practicing contrary action, doing the opposite of what you normally do. Because the older we get, we just get stuck in our ways. You know? Yeah, that's you know. And one of the things is uh, if you're a songwriter, if you had success in the business, you've always been contacted by friends from high school, usually on Facebook. Like, hey man, my daughter or my granddaughter or whatever, I have a friend, of course, and she's tr- she's you know she's pretty good. And she could you listen to her music and and Jake our 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 character in the book gets approached by a friend Cal Turner about his daughter who's who's studying at Belmont. Okay, um, it's like hey man, my daughter's uh, got an idea for a song and and he, and, he, and the character just rolls his eyes like oh god not this again. Mm. But con- he in the book though he's just met Sir Daniel 
And the first thing Sir Daniel suggests is practice contrary action. So he takes it. So he listens to the idea, and it's good. He's yeah. like, he's like, oh crap! This little girl, she's she has real talent. So he does a songwriting session, and he abandons what he normally would do. Like, oh, that lyric sounds kind of silly, or this this idea is so deceptively stupid. He just he disembraces it. He dares to be stupid, which is one of the practices, you know. Uh, that is so and, cool. And he just lets the song happen and t- and checks his ego. And they write this silly little song that feels. Like, uh, don't worry, be happy, or hey, soul sister, or I'm yours, and it ends up becoming the the, the biggest song he's ever had. Isn't that something? And this song was called Great Great Day. It's a very happy song. Written by Claire Garesso, David Mescon, and yours truly, Kevin Griffin. Awesome. Here we go. It wakes me up, you're the coffee in my coffee cup Rachel's on the radio, heartbeats in stereo Sunshine on my face, blue sky all day Give me a good, good morning Make a great, great Part. I love it. Undeniable. Undeniable. It's got it all. Great, great day. Absolutely. Great, great day. <laughs> it's a great, great day. It is. I just want to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> I want to buy a card of that. I want to buy, I want to go to Target and shop. Uh, yes. Doesn't it feel like a Target commercial? Let, it does. You know, I got to tell you, right away, there's a, there's a young artist in town <laughs> named Olivia Francis. Right. We've had on the podcast a couple of times. And she had, and I've known her since she was 12 years old. Mm. She's come to the NSAI meetings. And she's grown into such a great artist. And she defines her own genre, she, which she calls what she does, sunshine story pop. And I think that fits. <laughs> I'd love to send that to her if you don't mind. Of course. I can hear her doing that song. Oh, yeah. Ah, that's just so wonderful. You know, it, it's... Uh, it, it, it was. It, it came out. You know, Claire wrote the meat of that song. She came, she had a, a vocal and a ukulele, and uh, I was like, "This I is." I was like, "That's perfect," and that's the way the song's written. The, yeah, the, the, the writer. Uh, now is that her singing it too? That's Claire singing. That's Claire singing. And Claire Garesso uh, does very well. If you can check her out on Spotify, and uh, in the book, um, Bree Turner. Writes comes into the songwriting session with her little ukulele and, and, and writes the idea and and Jake Stark our our, our grizzled veteran you know <laughs> at first he's like ah let's do something and then he's and then he's like 
country actually. Country, yeah. And they write this song and it becomes a viral moment. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Country action. That is really interesting. I've been kind of uh, doing that, but I didn't know what it was called lately. Yeah. And just open up your mind and, and listen to the idea and, and see. It's like you said, uh, ego is not your amigo. Well, you know, and I wanted, to, and also in, in relationships, it's not. And mm-hmm. in practicing contrary action, like, oh, I do not want to go do that. You know, it's not fair that my wife's asking me to get up. You know, mm-hmm. it's her, she should be, she should go do that. <laughs> but then I'm just like, no, man, don't try to think equal. I did this, so you should do that. No. Yeah. You know, because, you know, and just, just do it. Yeah, <laughs> just, just do it. it. You it was know. like that movie with uh, Jim Carrey, the uh, Yes Man. Remember? Did you ever see that? Oh, yeah, I know, right? You, you can't not, say yes. You can't I say love, anything but yes. I love that movie, but, you know, I love the saying, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's you know? so good. And uh, but, but uh, action is a big thing, and um, you know, there's just there's a lot of wisdom that that I've kind of gleaned over the years through different things that I've been a part of, and I, I put it in the book. That's awesome. I can't wait to get through this book. Um, I'm hooked already, and I want you to, to get it to uh, audio version, uh, or you can you know get a hard copy or Kindle. It's everywhere. It, it's in bookstores, Barnes and Noble, any anywhere. There's a physical brick and mortar store, but also just click and go to Amazon Prime. You could have it by the end of this podcast. Absolutely. It could be not. It could be at your door. It could be at your door. That's right. With with Amazon. You oh never my know. god. Yeah, absolutely. It's called the greatest song. It's out there now. It just published yesterday. And uh, Kevin, I, it's just been a pleasure to get to know you, brother. You anytime, such an I'm amazing coming out here. I'm yeah. coming out. You're gonna be like, God, he's here again, honey. <laughs> honey, pull the shades. He wants. He's got a coffee cup in his hand. He says, I want more coffee. Jesus always Christ. Always a pot on, except for just a second ago. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for joining us. All the best with this new book. Anytime. I could. I feel like I could talk to you for another couple of hours, but uh, maybe we'll have to have there's you back. Some, there's something yeah. happening here. Yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> We've Thanks, got Dave. great shows ahead. Thank you for joining us for episode 100. And Kevin, thank you. Sir. Cheers, brother. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.